Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Norman Finkelstein. He received his PhD from the Princeton University Politics Department in 1988 and is the author of 10 books that have been translated into 50 foreign editions, including The Holocaust Industry, Reflections on the Exploitation of Jewish Suffering, and most recently, Gaza, An Inquest into Its Martyrdom. His books also include What Gandhi Says About Nonviolence, Resistance, and Courage. His website is normanfinkelstein.com. He will be speaking at World Beyond Wars annual conference this September in Toronto, Canada. Norman Finkelstein, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. What do you make of the latest outrage in Gaza? Um, well, the Israeli reaction was predictable. What's much more important was the Palestinian action, not the reaction. Uh, the Palestinians are now testing the possibilities of mass nonviolent civil resistance as a way to at least initially end the illegal, immoral, criminal blockade of Gaza and then to proceed to achieve their full national rights. Um, and so far, uh, the Palestinians have, uh, in Gaza have, I think, been quite impressive in the, first of all, the, the magnitude of the mass mobilization. It started out with several tens of thousands, but it's quite clear that the momentum is building, the dynamism is there. Uh, people there are very enthusiastic about the possibilities of uh, this kind of tactic and are joining in all sorts of creative, autonomous, and independent ways. So I think if they can maintain the three conditions for success, well, there are several conditions for success. One is unity, two is discipline, three is persistence, and four is uh, um, transmitting a simple, reasonable, and uncontroversial goal objective of the demonstrations that will rally international support. If they manage to do all that, and it's a big agenda, I have to, I'm on the last one to deny it. If they manage to do all that, uh, maintain unity, maintain discipline, persistence in the face of Israel's brutal provocations, and um, put forth a simple, uncontroversial, and reasonable objective that will galvanize international support, I think they can end the blockade. Uh, I'm very glad to hear you're encouraged. Uh, that Your comments raise a number of questions. Um, one, I guess, is what do you mean by discipline? Does that mean nobody doing anything that the Western media can depict as violent? Because that yeah, seems I almost... I think that's basically correct. Uh, they have to do, they have to make sure that they don't justify Israel's violent repression and they don't create a pretext for Israel's violent oppression. Um, and uh, that's tough. People there are very angry. Many people have been killed brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, cousins, uncles have been killed over the last eight years. Israel has unleashed three massacres in Gaza 
And since 2008, there's a lot of pent-up anger. There's a lot of desire for revenge. And it requires a huge amount of internal discipline to um, control those impulses in the name of the bigger struggle. I, I read the headline in the Washington Post that said, quote, Gaza protesters torch tires along border, draw Israeli fire. Right, so, so mm-hmm. guns don't kill people. People kill themselves by drawing the bullets out of the guns. I mean, I haven't found a single headline in which the Israeli military actively does anything. Uh, it's all, it, it, the, the blame is all on Gaza. I mean, it, it doesn't seem possible for them to get themselves depicted as nonviolent. Uh, I don't it, agree. I think they're uh, registering important successes right now. Yeah. The, um, uh, Human Rights Watch put out a good description of what happened. The Office of the Human Rights High Commissioner put out a good statement, and Israel's finding it very difficult to justify its uh, <clears throat> murderous uh, sniper. They weren't the snipers, really. They were assassins, uh, the hundred assassins they posted on the border in order to kill Palestinians, uh, shooting them as they fled, shooting them in the back, shooting them while they're praying. Uh, and as Human Rights Watch pointed out, there is an, a scintilla of evidence, not a scintilla, that the Palestinians had any firearms. The worst that can be said is they were throwing some stones. Uh, so uh, the, profit, the uh, Israeli brutality is clear. Uh, and it'll take time, you know, the Washington Post, like the New York Times, these are the last bastions of uh, Israel uh, apologias. So it'll take time, but they, they're planning on at least a month and a half. Uh, and remember the Montgomery bus boycott, it took a year uh, of uh, discipline, unity, persistence, uh, Workers had to get up at 4 a.m., walk to work several hours each way. Uh, There were the carpools. It was winter. Uh, That was an enormous undertaking. And uh, the uh, Israelis are as dug in. They're as racist as the uh, white Southerners. So it will take, it will require a lot of persistence. But uh, just as the um, white Southerners managed, excuse me, just as the African Americans managed to desegregate the South, I think the Palestinians will manage if they persist, at least as an initial objective, to end the siege. Yeah, I, I have seen people praising Chris Hayes on MSNBC for uh, relatively accurately depicting what's what's just happened in Gaza, and and apparently not being forced to recant the way he was when he once questioned uh, worship of U.S. troops. I, I don't know if if you've seen that segment, but it is a it is a little encouraging, I think. Well, these are all opportunists, and actually, that's a good sign because when. You see opportunists blowing in a different direction. It means that the protests are having the desired effect. What about your your statement that a, a, a clear and achievable objective uh, is needed? Is the is the objective the right of return, or is it, or should it be something else? Well, the official call of the of the demonstrators is a march. For, a march for return and to end lift the blockade. 
opinion, the focus has to be on the second goal of lifting the blockade, which uh, in the short term is an achievable goal. Yeah. Uh, what can people do to, to make clear that that's the, that that's the demand? Well, the first, the first responsibility falls on the Palestinians. They have to articulate clearly, in my opinion. They should reverse the order of the goals, and they should focus almost entirely on the first one. But these are things that you can't dictate from outside. You can make suggestions, you can make recommendations, you can advise and you can counsel. But there are a lot of contending uh, forces and factions in Gaza. And um, you have to navigate complex uh, and sometimes treacherous waters as you try to um, uh, present a consolidated movement. I think you've said in the past that Hamas and Israel have a, a mutual interest in wildly exaggerating Gaza's weaponry and, and military prowess, uh, but presumably the people of Gaza don't, don't share that interest. Uh, how, do you, how do you overcome Hamas that? Hamas is listening now. It realizes it reached an impasse. It realizes it reached a cul-de-sac. It realized it reached a dead end. It realized that the armed struggle is not a viable option, and now they're testing something else. So let's wait and see. It's a steep learning curve that they're going to have to go through now. If they're going to achieve anything uh, in the short term, they have to, as the expression has it, they have to remake themselves. Now, uh, it's not entirely uh, a re invention because Hamas did participate in the first intifada so they do know what nonviolent civil resist mass nonviolent civil resistance is about um, but the first intifada is about 30 years old it's a new generation and it's also as I've already mentioned an angry they're very angry they've been brutalized they've been uh, they've been um,
asset and resource, and that's the people. We're speaking with Norman Finkelstein. His website is normanfinkelstein.com. One of his books is What Gandhi Says About Nonviolence, Resistance, and Courage. What? And, sorry, go and ahead. Yes, correct. Thank you. Um, it, I think it's, it's very encouraging what you're saying. Um, I wonder about people in other places, including Israel and the United States, whose government provides billions of dollars of free weaponry and immunity at the United Nations uh, for Israel's crimes. What, what uh, do Gandhian lessons suggest that people uh, in the United States and the rest of the world uh, can and should be doing? Oh, there's a lot we could do. I think we should be building towards May 14th, which is their climactic day. And there should be mass demonstrations, sit-ins, all forms of civil disobedience, hunger strikes. Uh, this is the moment of truth. Uh, the, the people of Gaza since 2006 uh, really look have endured a 50-year-old brutal occupation. They've been a gradually escalating or deteriorating, whichever image you want to use, uh, uh, blockade of Gaza. The blockade of Gaza reached its climaxes after um, the uh, Palestinians elected Hamas into government, the first democratic elections in the Arab world. Um, and then in 2007, when Hamas consolidated its power, uh, resisting a coup that was engineered by the United States, Israel, and elements of the Palestinian Authority. Uh, and then this brutal blockade, which reached its peak, in 2007 uh, has been punctuated by the uh, periodic Israeli massacres in Gaza, uh, climaxing in July-August 2014 with Operation Protective Edge, uh, which left 1,500 Palestinian civilians dead, including uh, 550 children, uh, 18,000 homes, Palestinian homes were pulverized, um, so, uh, the, 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 uh, demonstrations now are reaching their climax on the 14th of May, and we should be ready to support them. And I hope the Palestine Solidarity Movement will get into action. I, I hope the, that in the United States, the Poor People's Campaign, the new Poor People's Campaign, which is planning events around that same time, uh, will take uh, will take this up in solidarity. Um, I will certainly suggest it to them if they aren't already. Um, wh what about uh, wh what about ships to Gaza? Activists going on boats to try to bring supplies to Gaza has that has that been useful? Should that continue? I think. If they're targeted for May 14th, that would be perfect. Yeah. I think um, there are all sorts of things that can be done. Yeah. And all sorts of things that have to be done. Because heroic, courageous, and indomitable as the people of Gaza are, they simply can't do it on their own. But they also, on the, on, on the other hand, they have to be the ones to initiate. We can only support... We cannot do for them what they don't do for themselves. And right now, they've found the inner strength, the courage, the will, um, the conviction uh, to take on the Israeli behemoth. Uh, and um, if we 
we do our share and they do what needs to be done, I think they can win. Well, obviously, one thing we need to do is spread the word about what's happening uh, with uh, with radio shows and every other means. But but what about uh, what about boycott, divestment, and sanction approaches toward Israel from the rest of the world? I don't think they have a pertinence right now. I think we have to figure out ways to support a concrete action, and I don't think at this particular moment. Uh, we should be focusing on BDS. In the long term, perhaps, but not not yeah, now it's, because... It's an ongoing thing, but uh, there it's, you have to adapt your tactics to what's happening at the moment, and the moment there have to be ways to figure it out to support the demonstrators. Yeah. What about the what about the problem of the role of the U.S. government, though, for people who live in the United States and uh, the the interest that U.S. weapons companies have, including in the in the pretense that these so-called missile defense systems work? Uh, I mean, this is this is central okay. to the United States is a very tough nut to crack, especially right now because uh, Trump's in power. Netanyahu is his biggest cheerleader and ally in the world, and because the Senate, uh, the leading Democrat is Charles Schumer, uh, the Senate a minority leader who's actually worse than Trump on Israel. So between the two of them, and um, it's a very tough nut to crack right now. However, there are things that can be done to mobilize public opinion. What uh, what should we most be be working on? Well, exactly what you said. There has to be education about what's happening. There has to be a uh, a revolution, uh, even a linguistic revolution. Uh, Israel keeps calling that fence a border fence. It's not a border fence. Where's the who's on the other side of the border? That's not a border fence. There's no state on the other side. That's a prison fence. That's a ghetto fence. That's a concentration camp fence. Those are not my words. Haaretz, Israel's most respected newspaper, referred to Gaza as, quote, the Gaza ghetto. One of Israel's leading sociologists, Baruch Kimmerling, all the way back in 2003, he referred to Gaza as the biggest concentration camp ever. Um, David Cameron, the conservative British prime minister, he referred to Gaza as an open-air prison. Well, if it's a prison, a ghetto, and a concentration camp, then that's not a border fence. It's a prison fence. It's a ghetto fence. It's a concentration camp fence. We have to get the terminology correct. You know, Confucius famously said, the first step towards wisdom is naming things correctly. And we have to name these things correctly. Uh, I wouldn't even call them, they're not snipers, really. I would call them assassins. They were put there to assassinate civilians. Now, Israel says every shot that was fired was accurately, accurately landed on its target. Right. So when a Palestinian is shot in the back, 
league, a Palestinian is shot while sitting and praying. According to Israel, those were accurate shots. Those are assassins. During the last uh, assault on Gaza, I, I collected statements from various uh, Israeli officials uh, about uh, how the Gazan people needed to be treated. Uh, they needed to be attacked. They needed to be raped. The young ones needed to be killed so they didn't grow up into into bigger snakes. The, the, they needed to be, uh, you know, put on a diet and, and reduced. And so how do you, what, what is the accurate terminology for what Israel is trying to do to the people of Gaza? Oh, I think the accurate terminology, Israel's official goal is to force them into submission. But then you have to look at the tactics that they've adopted in order to force them into submission. And the tactic, it seems to me, is um, is uh, pretty straightforward. The UN agencies, uh, humanitarian agencies, economic agencies, they all agree that Gaza will soon be, and may already be, unlivable. 97% of the drinking water in Gaza is unfit for human consumption. So each time a child drinks that water, the child is being poisoned. And Gaza also is hermetically sealed. So how do you describe a situation where a population of 2 million, 1 million of whom are children, uh, are locked up, caged in an area which is biologically, medically unlivable. Uh, now that may, uh, Israel's goal may be to force them into submission, but it seems to me that their tactics now, their tactics now verge on genocidal. Yeah. There, there, there actually is some activism, whether appropriately focused or not, uh, among young people here in the United States related to Israelis' wars and crimes, more so, I think, than against U.S. wars. Uh, and I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, at our conference in Toronto in September, you'll have some advice for U.S. and Canadian and global peace activists, uh, albeit a very large task to take on. What what advice would you give to people who are trying to reduce militarism around the world? I don't have any special advice apart from the obvious. That remember, this is about trying to achieve something practical, not trying to cast radical poses. Everybody's entitled to and should nurture their own ideologies for what's the best for what's the best possible outcome. The just most just outcome. But for the moment, we have to achieve practical victories. Otherwise, people despair, they walk away, they lose interest. Right. And so we have to make sure to set goals which are achievable and also um, have substantive results. Uh, and we should not set goals which exceed viability just to show how pure and radical we are. Well, of course, we, we just have a few minutes left. We don't know, of course, what's achievable until we've achieved it for certainty. But one focus that a lot of uh, activists are looking at uh, in terms of U.S. militarism is is closing certain foreign bases where we can build alliances between 
peace activists in the United States and people who live near the unwanted U.S. bases in other countries and trying to stop construction and get some of them uh, closed and those troops sent back to the United States. Is, is that the sort of tactic that's worth uh, approaching because it might be viable or, uh, or not? I have no idea. I mean, these things can only be judged on a case-by-case basis uh, and by people, activists on the ground, who know the lay of the political land. And it would be uh, really um, presumptuous of me, to say the least, uh, to be sitting here in Brooklyn, New York, and saying whether this or that is achievable. Uh, politics is a... And the thing about politics is there are 10,000 variables. And as you said earlier, uh, you don't really know what's achievable until it's been achieved. I think that's true. Um, There's so many variables that it's impossible unless it, it, it would be presumptuous. I don't want to say impossible, but it would be really sure. presumptuous uh, for somebody who doesn't know in a concrete situation the 10,000 variables uh, that a, a particular objective um, involves. Um, to make a comment, right? So, so we uh, so look into the details and and proceed accordingly. In other words, mm-hmm. um, uh, just uh, two minutes left. Uh, I, I really enjoyed your book on on Gandhi, on the, the complexity and the contradictions and so forth. But it, it seems kicking the British Empire out of India would be one of those goals that would sound the least viable to anybody uh, if it were if it were proposed. Um, am I wrong on that? Well, you have to remember, Gandhi didn't, didn't propose that goal until pretty late the day. Uh, originally, he was fighting uh, for uh, equal rights within the British Empire. He didn't call for independence until pretty late in the day. I, I can't remember. It was in the late 30s or the mid-30s, 1930s. It's an incomprehensible one. 
Well, we will keep trying to comprehend it. Norman Finkelstein, his website is normanfinkelstein.com. Thank you very, very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. You're welcome. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.